Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you? I am doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Now, this one's an interesting topic. The cost of horse feed, I... Everywhere around the world, we're feeling the pinch right now. Um, you know, coming out of this pandemic, it has definitely impacted supply chains, has impacted horse owners everywhere, uh, reading stories everywhere, where it's just really impacting everyone. So today, talking about what goes into to producing this feed, right? I mean, pretty good, interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, this was actually a request that we had. So when you guys request topics, we take those and add them into the lineup. And it, it was partly a question of like, what, what makes this cost what it does? And also, we're, we've certainly seen increases. And I think people like to understand where those increases come from. So I think this is a great opportunity to kind of peek behind the veil a little bit and, you know, have a better understanding of what goes into horse feed and how the current climate might be affecting that. Yeah. I mean, my, my first question when this topic came up, I was like, okay, you know, going into the costs and, and the plant there in Ohio, I've, I've walked through it, all the workers there doing uh, the great work, your, you know, what you do and the team there, I guess just kind of broad picture, what kind of goes into making a horse feed? So like if I could just pick one, wholesome blends, a newer product, what kind of went into that, you know, because that those costs have to be captured too, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like your bigger picture cost in terms of research and development, sourcing ingredients, doing all of the feed trials, the things like that, that then lead us to launching a feed. And of course, there are things you try that don't work, right? I've sponsored studies at universities that didn't pan out the way you thought they would, which is good scientifically, right? We learn even from studies that don't work, but of course there's always costs involved in that. So that's all of what we think of as our kind of background, big picture cost. And then you think about, you know, more specifically a bag of feed that you pick up from your dealer. I think about those costs are, you know, the cost actually source and put those raw ingredients, all the things that end up in the bag, the manufacturing of the product, the packaging, um, and then the transportation to get it to where it needs to go. So those are definitely more hard costs that you have in every bag of feed. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I just, when you sat there and, and, and you designed that feed from the ground up, and I know that that that's a lot of trial and error. Now, just looking at the specifically costs of a bag of horse feed, because I think that's what the listener really wanted us to get at. Can we first talk about, I know we did a podcast on this. It was April 20th in 2021 on fixed formulation and what that means and why it's important. So, I mean, I guess if we can talk about that first so the listeners can understand, okay, with Tribute, you know, we have a fixed formula because we want to put out the best product possible. Um, so, could you kind of just address that? 
Yes. So this is something that we believe very strongly in, that it's the best way to support your horse's health, wellness, and performance. There are some challenges that come with that when we think about high cost environments, but but very briefly, when we're looking at a fixed formula, it means that we've taken a set of ingredients and designed a product to specifically have those ingredients. So if you look at our tag, it's going to show you every single ingredient that is in that product. And, you know, what we do to make a fixed formula, we have, you know, very specific ingredient specifications that we accept. And then you put them all together. And that means that every time essentially your horse gets the same recipe, which we know that horses thrive off consistency especially our very sensitive ones. So that consistency in their diet, not just the nutrient specifications, but also the exact ingredients that make up that feed are the same every time versus a least cost formulated product, which it may have collective terms. That's a great hint that it is a least cost formulated product, but sometimes they'll have specific terms and still be least cost formulated and just change the tag every time. But what that means is that as you have these changing ingredient prices, the formula can change to still meet the same nutrient specifications. So it'll be a 12% protein, a 6% fat, da, 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 down the line. But sometimes it ha- might have a little bit more wheat mids or, you know what, right now corn distillers grain prices in and they're going to change those ingredients based off of what the market is doing. Those changes might be every single time a feed is made because ingredient prices are changing even throughout a single day. It might be something that's done time to time or quarterly. Who knows? I can't speak for other companies, but there are changes that happen based on what the cost environment is doing. So we've committed to fixed formulation, but when we talk about ingredient cost, especially when you have supply chain disruptions and even seasonal patterns, we see that reflected in our feed prices because we're not going in and saying, well, you know what, this time of year, beet pulp harvest is going on. And shortly before beet pulp harvest, a lot of times beet pulp supplies get very tight, driving up demand, which drives up costs, which we then see reflected in our ingredient costs. So that's something that, you know, we do have to deal with with a fixed formulation, but we still feel it's the best to support your horse's health and wellness, which is why we've chosen to work in that manner. Yeah. And if you, God, I'd love to rehash it right now, but we don't have time. If you're more interested in in why, you know, and, and some of the maybe dangers of for feeds that that aren't fixed formula. Again, that podcast was released in April 20th, 2021. You can go on our website or uh, any podcasting app and go back to that date. And you can listen to that where we talk about this more in depth. But getting back to costs. Okay, so so you did mention raw ingredients. What are some of the ingredients you're talking about? I, I know there's some specialty nutrients that we've mentioned in some podcasts that are in there. Um, but, you know... I guess, where are they sourced and, and how, is, how is that impacting uh, the cost of feed right now? Yeah, if we think about like specific seasonal things, a lot of times your big inclusion ingredients are going to be things that are sourced more locally, so close to where feed is manufactured. 
And then, you know, we do see some significant seasonal patterns in some of those. Beet pulp would obviously be an example. Uh, Wheat middlings are another one. So those are generally lowest in the spring and early summer. And then because of the way that those are produced, they're a co-product of flour manufacturing, we actually see their cost increase going into the fall and kind of towards the holiday season. This year was interesting because they never really got low um, and then they've continued to rise. You know, we've also seen crazy things that are probably more reflective of kind of some of the COVID disruptions, which have had a really long tail. You know, we've seen all of our oil products increase significantly over the past year or so. And then, I mean, soy products in general are up relative to where they were a year ago. So if we're looking specifically at the seasonal rise in feed costs, we're seeing kind of our normal seasonal trends compounded by some longer term kind of COVID tail type disruptions. Some of your other specialty ingredients might come from further away. Um, So, you know, you have the impact of transportation costs. Um, So you know, an example would be in the constant comfort products, we use a seaweed derived calcium. Well, that comes from overseas. So you have the impact of the cost of containers and ocean freight impacting those ingredients. And then this isn't specific to today, but sometimes we'll see disruptions in global supply chains. So a couple years ago, there was a fire in a German plant that was responsible for a lot of the world's vitamin A and vitamin E production. So, you know, that fire happened on the other side of the world, but because they supplied so much of the global production, it put the whole vitamin market into disarray. So, you know, ultimately, it's both a very local impact and then sometimes a global impact on those raw ingredients. And then the other part of it is it's not just specific to horse feed. So as you see some of these ingredients changing in their price, how they factor into other species diets is impacted by that price. So you might see something that is, you know, traditionally used very heavily in horse feed. And then because of pricing structures, you know, the swine formulations might start pulling more of that ingredient because the cost of corn, for example, went up. So they're now formulating away from corn and adding more wheat meds, for example. Now, all of a sudden, you have stronger demand for that ingredient that has nothing to do with your seasonal variation or even the supply of wheat meds but it's a function of the price of corn. So even though you're not putting corn into tribute products, the price of corn is impacting the price of your other ingredients because now the swine team is using more wheat meds. Yeah, so just it's this big, complicated, and ever-changing matrix of things that impact the cost of different raw ingredients. Oh, it's just how did how did we get through the last few years with COVID and just everything that was going on and and we had to keep feeding our animals and especially our horses. So yeah, no, it is complex. It is very very complex, especially when you get into those um, all those ingredients that that you source all over the world. Now, some of the other costs. What about like say manufacturing costs? How how is that factored in? Yeah, so your manufacturing costs are everything from like the cost to run the facility itself. So electricity, 
labor. You know, we've certainly seen increases in demand for labor and the cost of that and competition. Um, as you know, we've come out of COVID lockdowns and all of those things. You also have the actual like manufacturing of the product itself. So if you looked at a textured feed and a pelleted feed that were very similar in terms of ingredients and nutrition, generally the textured feed costs more because you have two levels of manufacturing. So you're making a pellet that has your protein, your vitamins, your minerals. In the textured feed, you then send that to a secondary blender and blend all of the different you know, extra components, whether that's grains or, you know, the interesting ingredients that go in wholesome blends like the peas and the carrots, some oil, some molasses. Well, now you've touched the pellet multiple times. So that adds manufacturing costs. So anytime you handle an ingredient more times that adds more cost to, you know, proportionally what the manufacturing contributes. And certainly different types of manufacturing have different costs as well. Um, extrusion versus regular pelleting and blah, blah, blah. So all of those things are going to impact the final cost. It's say in terms of the increases we're seeing, you know, that's more driven by some of those external factors, not a change in your base manufacturing at this point. And then I, I think another one is is the packaging, right? So has that changed a lot in the last few years? Because even their supply chains and everything affecting them like, to make the bags, right? And then to package everything yeah. else. Yep, there have been massive disruptions in that. So when we think about packaging, we have the bag that it comes in, uh, the physical tag that's sewn onto some of the bags. And there's been like, wild paper shortages where we can't get certain colors and things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an experience, you know, but some uh, of your other packaging costs are, aren't the ones that you as an end user see. It's the pallets, it's the shrink wrap that's put around, you know, the full skid of feed so that it can be transported from the manufacturing facility to your dealer. All of that goes into your manufacturing costs and, We've definitely seen a big increase in the raw components that go into packaging. So those costs have increased. Again, a lot of it, you know, COVID disruptions, inflation, those outside factors impact your packaging prices. Yeah. And then I think you've mentioned a couple of times transportation. So what are some of the uh, the factors in there? Well, all of you have been <laughs> to the gas pumps and have yes. seen that <laughs> those increases. Painful. It is. Um, and those you get hit with multiple times. So you have the sourcing of the ingredients, um, whether those are coming from relatively local places or some of those specialty ingredients we might source from across the world. You have the cost to get them to your manufacturing facility. And then you have the cost to get your finished feed to your dealers and then you, the end user. And, you know, one major advantage that we have is that we make all of our horse feeds in a single facility that allows for tremendous consistency, really robust quality assurance programs. But on the same token, 
if you are farther away from the manufacturing facility, the impact of transportation costs become amplified on the cost of that product. So with high gas prices and then combine that with some seasonal trucking challenges. So, you know, basically there's more competition for the numbers of Uh, loads that are on the road, which drives their price up during your holiday season, because there's just so much more product of everything being moved across the country because of our, you know, Christmas holiday buying habits. So we see kind of that combined, like gas prices were already high or fuel prices in this case. And then you also have just the cost of trucking increases this time of year. And as we ship things farther away, you know, those two things are amplified and we see that in the end cost of the bag of feed. Mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> things got to change, I hope, in the next couple of years. So in that spirit, and, and if you have a crystal ball, I don't know if you have one next to you, but <laughs> if you pretend you had one, where do you think we're going the next year or two? Do you, is is are these disruptions still ongoing or things kind of smoothing out a little bit? I mean, nobody kind of can predict where we're going to go with inflation, but from your end of things, are things still, you know, here finishing up 2022 still in flux? Like there's still disruptions, (laughs) like you said, and there's still this all ongoing. Yeah, I definitely am not going to put my neck out there and make any predictions. Yeah. <laughs> because predictions, yeah, okay. No, it's yeah. it's been wild, yeah. and I I mean I've been personally surprised by some how long some of the COVID disruption tales are, meaning that you can trace the disruption to things that happened like all the way back during COVID early COVID lockdowns, but we don't see kind of the impact of it until so much further out. I'm I'm very thankful for our purchasing team. Um, They they do a fantastic job sourcing all of our ingredients um, and have, you know, they've worked so hard during this time. Because again, you go back to fixed formula means I can't make a substitution because frankly, I don't want to, which puts so much more pressure on that team to source both the quantity that we need and also the quality of ingredient that you need in this really competitive market. So I have no idea what is going to happen next. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I can rely on a whole team that essentially handles that for me um, and kind of takes that worry off my shoulders so I can really focus on the nutrition and the supporting the horse component. Yeah. 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 I know it's, it's, you got too much to worry about on top of that too. So, um, so any final comments? Sure. I think, you know, in a perfect world, the price of feed wouldn't matter, right? You just pick what's right for your horse and you stay with it. We don't live in a perfect world. And, you know, sometimes those things do get tight. So I think it's absolutely warranted if you need to look at your program and say, can I do this more economically and still meet all of the needs of my horse? And that's something we're very happy to help support you in doing. So, you know, part of our personalized equine feeding plans, it's not simply a product recommendation, but we can look at the economics of creating a program that's tailored to your horse's needs and 
doing in a way that I'm not going to say is the cheapest way possible. I'm going to say is the most economic way possible. Um, Because we certainly don't want to sacrifice nutrition from a cost basis and create more problems down the road that end up being more costly. But there are absolutely a lot of times things we can do to simplify or make a program less expensive and still meet all of the horse's needs. So we're happy to do that. And then, you know, the other thing I just always want to point out, you never want to think of things in the cost per bag or even the cost per bale of hay, for example. I always encourage people to think about the cost to feed your horse per day. Because a lot of times that less expensive bag of feed ends up being more expensive per day because you have to feed so much more, add so many extra things. So if you are taking pen to paper, just make sure you think about cost per day as really the most appropriate way to evaluate the economics of your feeding program. No, yeah, that's very good points. And it's just, you know, and then optimizing health, like, you know, we've said in many podcasts that when you are feeding a high quality product, high quality feed, your horse is going to be healthier. And those, those are very expensive vet bills, um, that can break people. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, it all starts with nutrition. And I go back to good old Dr. Lori Warren at UF when her and I'd had a lot of debates and I was like, ah, it all starts with repro. And she's like, no, Chris, it starts with nutrition. And I agree with her. It does. <laughs> You've it seen is. the light. Yes. <laughs> I did. I did. She did. She, she, you know, she grabbed my face and said, look at the light. I did. It absolutely does. And, you know, for what you do, Nicole, and all the equine nutritionists out there, you know, we're, we're very grateful for the many years of labor and research that goes into all of these feeds and how we feed them today. So thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Um, If you have any comments or topics that you're really uh, interested in, please go to the show notes. Uh, You can click on uh, contact us and you could fill that form in and say, hey, I want to hear a topic on XYZ and we will add it to the list. And then please go check out the website. It it has been redone, uh, tributeequinenutrition.com. Uh, We'll add that to the show notes too, but a beautiful website. It's got a link to the podcast, a blog, get a personal feeding plan, and you can look at all the different products with the tribute line. But thank you so much, Nicole, and uh, stay tuned for a great topic next week. Thank you, Chris.